Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome, welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Thursday. Awesome show planned for you today. Royce White in studio with us today. Round of applause. Awesome to have Royce here with us. Uh, we'll get into Royce and the big three. You know what? Actually, I think we're going to do that tomorrow. Royce is going to be here for two days. But the Royce is going to help me as I talk with Tommy Sotomayor today about the Manosphere. Uh, we'll talk with Steve Kim about the ESPY Awards. And that's where we're going to start today's show, uh, talking about the ESPY Awards, a fire starter on that. Royce and I will discuss it. Then we'll bring Steve Kim on for further discussion. So without further ado, you start pounding those likes. You start hitting the subscribe button. You start leaving a comment. If you're listening over Apple, uh, give us that five-star review. We deserve it. All right, let's get to the fire starter. <clears throat> ESPN, the worldwide leader in lies, seems rather determined to redefine and lower the standard for what constitutes courage. How else do we explain that in the course of two decades, the network's award for courage went from Pat Tillman sacrificing his life in military combat to a group of lying narcissists fighting for a pay bomb? Courage ain't what it used to be. Wednesday night, the Disney-owned sports network labeled the U.S. women's national soccer team as courageous for its highly effective propaganda campaign to elevate player salaries. At its annual ESPY Awards, ESPN bestowed the Arthur Ashe Courage Award on the spoiled, greedy, and delusional soccer squad. Before taking the stage to smugly accept their award and embellish their arduous journey for equality, ESPN set the tone with a dishonest highlight video that smeared one of its former employees. Will Kane, now a talk show host for Fox News, was cast as a misogynist pig standing in the way of equal pay for female soccer players. Producers at ESPN edited an old soundbite of Kane taking talking on first take. Take a listen. Critics pushing back at them. I think equal pay is a ridiculous concept in and of itself. Soccer, for better or worse, on the men's side across this globe is much more popular than women's. We get that argument all the time. So that's what they showed. The problem is, Will Kane had much more to say. He explained that the salary and bonus pay for the U.S. women's national team is drawn from the revenue created by the Women's World Cup, which is around $130 million. The men's national team is paid from the revenue 
created by the Men's World Cup, which is around $6 billion. On a percentage basis, American women are paid astronomically more than the men. Furthermore, Cain rejects the idea of equal pay because he believes all people should get what they're worth. Take a listen to Will Cain in full context. Well, when you talk about, as Trevor Scales just laid out, the bonus difference between the men's team and the women's team, between what a winner, if it had been the U.S. men, would get in the World Cup and the women. The women got a pool or got paid out from a pool of $30 million from the Women's World Cup. The men would draw from a pool of $400 million, okay? $400 million, $30 million. Why is that? It's because the Men's World Cup generates $6 billion in revenue. Mm -hmm. The Women's World Cup generates $131 million in revenue. If you want to talk about pay disparity, the Women's World Cup players get paid out 20% of the total revenue. The men get paid out 7%. As a percentage point, they are getting much more. The problem is, for anybody desiring equal pay, and by the way, I think equal pay is a ridiculous concept in and of itself. If the women generate more revenue, they should get paid more than the men. Don't strive for getting the same, strive for getting what you're worth. And if you're worth more, then get more. And so what I'm saying to you right now is soccer, for better or worse, on the men's side, across this globe, is much more popular than women's soccer. The women's game had higher ratings than the men's though. That's so what do you say to that? Charlie, that's in yeah, the United that in the States. Yeah, that was in the U.S. And that's comparing a Women's World Cup final that featured the United States against a Men's World Cup final in the United States that didn't feature the U.S. team. The sports world has completely reimagined courage in just 20 years. Last night's Epstein's were a low point for the Arthur Ashe Award. And yes, I'm well aware that ESPN previously handed the same award to a gay, late-round NFL draft pick, Michael Sam, and to Bruce Jenner for changing his name, style of dress, and pronouns. This is worse. Sam and Jenner at least risk ridicule. The U.S. women's national soccer team has been the toast of the American media since Brandi Chastain stripped to her sports bra in 1999. They're the most celebrated and entitled athletes on the planet. The penalty for questioning the outright lies they tell to line their pockets is expulsion from the mainstream media. To remain in the good graces of corporate media, you're required to pretend Megan Rapino and company faced fire hoses, police canines, burning crosses, and lived on government cheese to win a gold medal. It's all a lie. The lies being propagated in hopes that WNBA players are successful in executing the same scam. Despite losing millions of dollars annually, corporate media continues to argue that the tall, tatted lesbians of the WNBA are worthy of massive pay increases and private travel. Anyone noticing a pattern? The lies all seem to serve the same special interest group. Brittany Griner, Michael Sam, Caitlyn Jenner, Megan Rapino, William Leah Thomas, and on and on, all play for the Alphabet Mafia. Courage used to be about risking your life and or livelihood in service to a cause 
with the appearance of nobility. Pat Tillman, the Arizona Cardinal safety, joined the military after 9-11. He thought he was defending America and avenging an awful crime. In January, former NFL running back Peyton Hillis nearly died after jumping into the ocean to save his niece and son from drowning in a rip current. Hillis spent three weeks in the hospital recovering. It was quite the act of heroism. But in modern society, that doesn't compare to a group of women using the media to blackmail the U.S. Soccer Federation out of $24 million. In the sports world, thanks to ESPN, courage is any act that empowers the LGBTQ, feminists, and the matriarchy. It's the longest running reparations campaign in the history of the world. Black people are the face of the American reparations movement. Gays and women are the actual beneficiaries. We've been convinced they're owed a debt. It's a lie. No country on the planet has invested more money in the development and safety netting of women than the United States. The return on that investment has not improved this country. It's only increased the number of people, groups, and identities seeking reparations. We're less educated, motivated, innovative, and more entitled, complacent, dysfunctional, immoral, and divided. We're fatter, lazier, and unhealthy. Men have been simping since the garden. Our entire existence has mostly revolved around satisfying the whims, emotions, and feelings of women so that we retain access to our favorite place on earth. If I have to ask you or have to tell you what that is, you're not meant to know. It's going to require Pat Tillman-like courage to fix the mess we created. Weak men must die. That death starts with the weak and unrighteous man in your mirror. That's my fire starter. Royce, I, I, I'm, I just see signs of this everywhere. Gays and women are running one of the greatest scams in the history of the planet on America, and it's been going on for more than 100 years. And we just keep pretending, and particularly as it relates to women, and then they roped in the whole LGBTQ crowd, that we owe them this debt that I'm just sorry, I completely reject. Men have been more than fair with women, more than fair. We've been over backwards. And, and it is, it's, just, it's just, there are no positive results for this in mass. Have individual, have tall athletic women benefited? Yeah. If you're some six foot woman, the world is better for you. The overwhelming majority of women aren't six foot. They're five foot four, five foot three, and uh, th they're not benefiting from this chaotic, immoral world that we've created. The thing that sticks out to me the most is this, this is a communist, this is a communist agenda. This is a communist MO uh, with the thin veil of capitalism to execute it. And, and the state and the corporation have come together behind the scenes in the, in the, in the quiet rooms, in the, in the hidden rooms, they've come together behind the scenes to hijack women as a vehicle to forward this agenda 
mostly at the expense of women. And it's hard for me to watch. I mean, I, I love women. I mean, I, you know, I came from a woman. I came through a woman's womb. I have sisters, I have aunties, I have uh, people who were in my life that were like mothers, aunts and, and, and other people like that. Um, I love women and, and no, no man in the manosphere, no man who's red peel, no Republicans, conservatives, Christians, whoever they wanna say are the boogeymen. None of us wanna see any harm done to women. Um, in fact, I think the majority of the frustration from yourself or myself or many of the men speaking out against this movement is that it is clearly at the expense of women, both physically, but even more so psychologically, that women actually think they're benefiting from this movement. Um, it is the greatest scam in human history. Women are being given the, the, uh, the token of, of uh, upward mobility. They've been given symbols of upward mobility. Uh, that, that just have to be redefined tomorrow based on whatever else the, the establishment wants to, wants to gain. Uh, and right now, it's the woman's vote, but even more so, it's the cultural submission of men, right? I mean, everybody talks about in politics, like, you got to get this women demographic to win elections, presidential, Senate, Congress, doesn't matter, right? The, the women vote, the women is a power for the, the Time's Up movement, as Jeffrey Epstein would call it. Um, the women have a stronghold. It's really not about that. There's just as many men, there's you know, about 50-50. It's really about the, the unspoken cultural submission of men underneath this propaganda. And I see it all the time. And that's what makes me most upset is to watch other men cower beneath this, this, uh, this propaganda. I go back and forth on who's getting harmed the most, women or men. And, and Today, I feel like young men, boys are being harmed the most because everything America is doing is about promoting, lifting up, developing young women, and men and boys are being ignored. I would, I would disagree with that on, on this basis. They, men are being harmed the most in a, in a physical and material sense, in the material world, but spiritually it's women. Because the, the men, regardless of the propaganda, regardless of the narrative that five out of the 10 men we know, maybe eight nowadays, maybe it's nine, that's a scary proposition, but nine out of the 10 men we know, even if they submit to the narrative culturally, there are things men have to deal with in the world that often bring them to a place where they have to encounter repentance, self-reflection, a more honest you know, version of, of, of human existence, which obviously involves God in the natural order. What they've created for women is a completely superficial bubble that uh, all, all but excludes them from any real substantive spiritual life. In fact, the spiritual life that's been supplanted into the narrative is a complete fugazi. I mean, that's why every woman on Facebook is talking about how they're a vegan spiritual numerologist. I mean, so the spiritual aspect of it is, is a complete, uh, um, is a complete just all out war on, on women. Where again, like, you know, like we've talked about before, women really struggle with repentance like at mass, and, and that is a, a herald of, of a dark, dark endgame for them, for women. Men still repent. We, we, we slave away under the, under the shadow of the propaganda, but we still repent because we're forced to. That, that's a 
really powerful and fascinating point that resonates with me because I, I literally, just this past weekend, I was in a conversation that made me come to grips with like, wow, repenting isn't even a thought in a woman's mind. The whole world is telling her that <laughs> you ain't done a dang thing wrong. And if these men, and, and, and you're right, as a man, I am forced and we are forced to come to grips with our mistakes and repent. And, and, and I had, you, you've caught me off guard as you a lot of times tend to do. It's an excellent point that spiritually, what's going on is taking a greater toll on women because they're fooled. They're sitting, hey, we go to church. We're dominant in the church congregation and we're good. And it's these men that are struggling spiritually. But, you know, the whole concept of, let's say you're not going to church, but as a man, any self-aware man, he's doing some repenting, whether it's in the church, at home, in the privacy of his home, among his friends or whatever. He's having to deal with the consequences of his mistakes, whereas women are being told, girl, if there was just more of you in the world and doing what you're doing, this whole thing would be so much better. How do we get Oprah and Stacey Abrams in the White House? That'll fix it. That, and, and when I say it's a communist agenda, I don't, I don't necessarily mean that, that it was a laid out communist plan that's been executed. Somebody wrote it down on paper, got together in a room. There's some of that, right? You can look at the Fed as one of the greatest communist scams in human history, the United States Federal Reserve. You can look at central banking as that. You can look at the inception of women being pulled into the, the workplace as, as a, you know, a political agenda. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the spirit of communism. I'm talking about the spirit of Karl Marx, the anti-God edifice of communism. And what it shows in this new corporate, which is really like a, a capitalist communist hybrid, how do we socialize the spiritual depravity of all women? Easy. We're going to tell women to triple and quadruple down on everything that's wrong with them. And we're gonna reward that. And we're gonna build an entire society that promotes that, that invites that, 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 that embraces that. And if you don't embrace it or you don't invite it, if you push back at all, we'll call you a misogynist like they did Will Cain. And I thought the Will Cain example, again, there's certain examples that should just go out to every corner of the world. What the man laid out is ironclad science. I mean, real science. I mean, math is the universal science, right? We can go put a rocket ship on Mars. We can go live on some vegan habitat in, in, the, in the, you know, the Kyber Belt or whatever these you know, uh, Judeo-Buddhist omnisexuals plan on doing. Um, but we can't listen to the basic math of revenue sh share. It's, it's plain. It's a $6 billion pool. They get 7% of it. The women are getting two times the, the share of the men. That is communism. And that is, the, that is the dark, dark horse of communism. Because there are some expressions of communism you could lay out and say, hey, I get it. I get it. The, the lowest amongst us must be brought up or they become a net drag on the entire collective. Okay. That's not the communism they're trying to run. And, and, and there's, a, there's a serious uh, reckoning coming from men now who are fed up. 
that's a, a reckoning coming from men who are fed up. And th that's part of the reason why I'm Tommy on and we've been spending so much time talking about the manosphere. It, it, it's part of me thinks like, is it too late for a reckoning? Can we reverse course? You know, we, we've gone so far, one direction is like, are, are they salvageable? And again, that's why I kind of ended with like, hey man, this weak man that we've all become has to die. Yeah. We have to, when I look at them redefining courage and, and what courage is, oh, it's a group of women fighting for millions of dollars, that's courageous. And, 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 and when, I, now, man, you were, this whole spiritual point is really magnificent because it, it so lines up with what I've been thinking for the past month about <laughs> courage is defined by blood, man. Like, I said this, I think, on yesterday's show. Anything you're not willing to die for, you really don't believe. Mm. And we don't even understand that. We don't even, that like, that's, I don't know if you've seen the movie The Sound of Freedom. Yes. That guy put his chips into the tape, risked his career, risked his life, yes. to, to back up. That's courage. God bless him. Yeah, Pat Tillman, whether, what we did after 9-11 was wrong in, in retrospect, but he put his life on the line. Yeah. That, that's courage. And any person truly connected to religious faith and Christianity knows like, yeah, we're saved by the blood of Jesus. And when they say the blood of Jesus, that, that man gave up his life. It's a life or death situation. We're saved by a man willing to give up his life. That's courage, not, oh, I kissed another man on TV and I'm gay and I'm a late round draft pick. Oh, look at that courage. Y yes. Well, I mean, there, there's <laughs> the, the difference between Pat Tillman's version of courage and actually going into combat. And I know many soldiers, many veterans, some my old age, my own age, some who are much older, and, and I respect what they, what they did and, and the sacrifice they were willing to make. The contrast between them and these woke liberal athletes is, it's not even, it's, it's not even quantifiable, right? It's just two different universes. But I will say in the final analysis, I think we're coming to a place in this country which is relevant to the question you're asking me, is it too late, where the stakes are so high for our choices, right? Especially leaders, especially people who are charged to fight, who are charged with the duty of, of having sacred honor. The stakes are so, so high because of how much momentum has. My point is, Pat Tillman had courage in something that he believed he was doing on behalf of the country. But see, this is, this is where Americans, even Christians, conservatives, Republicans, soldiers, right, um, preachers, whoever. Don't forget about spiritual pride. Don't forget that Satan's fine with spiritual ego, right? And, and he's fine. And the net result. Clarify that. The net result of you believing that you're doing something courageous, if you were misled, is still the same as whether you didn't know. Right. I mean, that was Adam and Eve getting tricked. I mean, Satan being able to trick you doesn't change the outcome in God's eyes. Right. That it's still a show of a lack of faith. Yeah. Right? And I don't want to compare Tillman to Rippino. But what I will say is. The Judeo-Buddhist liberal, they use the exact same argument. 
they believe they're fighting on behalf of, they believe they're willing to die on behalf of something. Even though they've created a fictitious boogeyman and enemy, they, they believe it. You believe in a thing doesn't necessarily make it true, and it doesn't make it, it, doesn't make it courageous. Whether a thing is courageous or not is based on its actual danger, its actual reality, its actual nature. And that's what they've tried to get away from, that we can create a narrative, and if you believe it, then it, then it, uh, it, it changes the reality. That's not true. The, the great example of that coming from the corporatocracy is perception is reality. No, it's not. That's one of those fundamental scams they got running real quick and everybody jumped on. Perception is reality. You'll hear a lot of black bourgeoisie radical materialists say that. And so I, I get your point. Brianna Scurrier, who gave one of the speeches last night, soccer player, she believes she really risked something by fighting for this oh, absolutely. pay. And, oh, my God, I, I could have been run out of here. And Megan Rapino probably thinks her life's in jeopardy. And, oh, there's people out here that want to kill me because I'm pro-trans athletes and blah, blah, blah. And it's all delusion made up in their own mind. And, and I'm going to drag you in to the conversation we had yesterday with, with Pearl and, and just th this is why when people say or when Pearl says, hey, I don't think women should vote. I actually go there with him and say, yeah, you know, I, I can see why you say that because they're capable of such levels of delusion that, and, and they drag these weak men into that delusion yeah. and, and into that, and just like you said, the Will Kane point is like, I mean, here's just some basic facts. Six billion, 130 million. How are you gonna get the same pay when basically, but, ESPN and all of the smart people that work there ignore that. They won't let, Will Kane basically got run out of ESPN because he wanted to actually talk about factual things. He had to move to Fox News in order to, to and, and anybody, you know, anybody that would want to come on and argue facts. And again, again this is where I go back to uh, the, the whole George Floyd thing and the whole myth that like, oh my God, if I step out here and I get pulled over for going 55, the police may kill me. That's what's offensive to me in terms of like, that's not reality. Can we just talk about reality? There's some truth about corruption in police force that we could talk about. Yeah, for sure. And, and let's talk about that. But no, we gotta talk about this uh, delusional stuff, and, and Royce, I'm really here with you all. No, I, I don't know if I contacted you during the break, but man, I so now completely understand the Federal Reserve conversation. Yeah. And, and it's like, there's some like real corruption we could be talking about. That's high stakes. Yes. That's, that's actually, because if we talk about the Federal Reserve, did, did, I don't know if you even know this. And it's I'm, worth dying to stand against, like, yeah. like Kennedy. And people have died. They actually died. Over it. Yeah. Did you know that there's people out here that believe they sank the Titanic because there's three billionaires on there that were against the Federal Reserve, mm -hmm. and that's what's behind the whole Titanic sinking? Yes, I've heard that theory. <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me at all, not one bit, not knowing who we're dealing with. Uh, and, and, dude, I, I watched some documentary about all the events that fed into Kennedy getting assassinated. 
tied to the Federal Reserve, tied to these endless, pointless war, the war racket. I, some dude in the 1930s wrote some book, A General, that war, I think maybe, maybe it was Smedley Butler that wrote the book, uh, War is a Racket. Yeah. This is coming off of World War I. He wrote this, that war is a racket. And then he squealed when Prescott Bush, the Bushes, Daddy Bush. Daddy, Granddaddy, Granddaddy Bush. Bush. Nazi. Yeah. Prescott Bush and others tried to get Smedley Butler, our most decorated soldier at that time, and other military people to overthrow FDR and to, to install a totalitarian government. Smedley Butler squealed on him and went and testified in front of Congress and squealed. And, and everybody, they called it the business plan. And, and so there have been people taking real risks and trying to stop this movement that has been going on for more than 100 years to yeah. get us where we are today. Yeah. And I got to sit around and pretend like a group of women wanting to get paid millions of dollars are the, are the courageous people on this earth? No, it's disgusting. It's disgusting. Number one. This whole women gap argument is just a, it's just a psyop. It's, it, it, I'll, I'll, give you another, I'll give you an example of what it's really like. Spending time in the Republican Party now, I've come to understand what the Republican Party functions as. This is meant to do a head count of, of American citizens who want to be involved in grassroots politics and run them around in a circle or grind them into dust until they give up. That's what the Republican Party is functioning as in so many parts of the country. When it comes to human rights, basic fundamental human rights, which start with sanctity of life, right? We're gonna take women and we're gonna completely fabricate their reality around what it means to be an activist or what it means to be a humanitarian or what it means to be altruistic or what it means to be courageous or stand for something or principles or morals. We're gonna completely warp Everything that is uh, a higher, a higher uh, intellectual uh, grasp of the human condition or the human existence. And that's what they've done. And by way of, they have access to all of our children. So you have a pro-LGBTQ feminist, black trans rights, bourgeoisie sellout movement that's pro-war, pro-abortion, pro-indoctrinating young kids. This is not a human rights movement. I mean, it's just not a human rights movement in any way, shape or form. But the rest of us are meant to stand on the sidelines and let it perpetuate itself or, or promulgate itself or promote itself as a human rights movement. And, and, and really, you know, I, I ran into Stephen A. Smith when I was in New York City just recently, just at a car parking lot. I saw him and he, you know, he nodded to me and said, what's up? So I said he had seen a few uh, episodes of the podcast. And, and I started to think about Stephen A. Smith more closely after running into him. Because when, when you see a person in, in person, it just has a different effect on you and you start to just reflect on them. Because other than that, I've only ever seen him on TV. And I start to realize that the real money grab, the real grift here, the Fed, that the Fed has done, has made everybody interdependent on this global economic scam. And under the face of that, they will give over to the women's scam if they think it means they'll stay in position to be able to carry on their economic vitality. I mean, it really is that deep. Everybody's tied into the money scam, and the best way to stay safe in the money pipeline is to do what women say. 
happy wife, happy life, right? So there used to be a saying, half the money and all the pee. Now it's like they got all the money too. Or they got, they got control of it. Oh, I've been saying the cuck society for about two years now. Everybody gets funny when I say the word cuck. This is, I mean, this is what we're talking about. Men have become cucked. I mean, we're neutered. And, and it's, it's the few men. This is why they hate Donald Trump. And I don't mean to go political. This is why they hate Trump. Because Trump still has a big enough ego. He has a big enough set of balls to look at people and go, I don't really care what you think about me. I'm just not going to bow to women. And, and some of that may be out of a, a more, uh, a, not such a spiritual place, a faithful place, but it's certainly what we need a lot of. And I think Kennedy's the same. I think, I think RFK is the same in a lot of ways. All the men who, I think Andrew Tate is the same in a lot of ways. All the men who are popping up who are just outright saying, I reject the notion that I should bow to women on face value, all of them have become targets. And sooner or later, the Marxist movement will come door to door and put a bullet in every last one of them. It's quite a prediction. <laughs> bullet one way or another, metaphorical or in, in, in jailment or censorship. It's three ways to skin a cat. Uh, we will uh, lighten up the conversation by bringing Steve Kim on here in a second. But f- before I do that. Uh, I want to talk about our good friends at Preborn. It's my prayer that there will come a day when abortion will be abolished. Then we will look back and see the atrocity of what has been done. We're experiencing the impact of abortion in our lives, the breakdown of families, the trauma that comes from a woman being pressured to have an abortion, and the steep decline of morality that justifies this atrocity. How then shall we respond? Do we stand back and say, this too shall pass? Or do we rise up and say, I will stand for the innocent? Preborn stands for the helpless and the innocent because of your generosity. Preborn is able to offer free ultrasounds to women. Once she hears that heartbeat, the chances of choosing life more than doubles. And years from now, when your grandchildren ask you, what did you do about abortion, grandpa, grandma? You can say, I saved a life through preborn. I saved many lives. One ultrasound is just $28 to save a life. Just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, baby. Or go to preborn.com slash Jason. That's preborn.com slash Jason. You guys know this is very personal and close to me. When you do that, when you give, please drop me an email, fearlessblazeshow at gmail.com. Please chill. It's my obligation, no hate, discrimination, raising up your hands for freedom, for freedom. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right, so let's roll out to Los Angeles. Uh, Royce and I have been talking about the U.S. Women's National Team and their Courage Award that they uh, won. They're redefining courage. Steve, Korean Cosell, uh, what do you think of my contention that this is a bigger tragedy than Caitlyn Jenner even winning the Courage Award? What do you think of that? 
You know, again, that's like asking, you know, is gonorrhea worse than syphilis? Um, you know, how does your urine feel as it comes out? Is it how bad does it burn? I, I don't know. I, look, the the ESPYs really peaked early on, and if I'm not mistaken, it was kind of done in honor of Jim Valvano, right? Way back, I think, in the early 90s. And I still remember that incredible speech that Valvano gave about life and what it meant to him. It was funny. It was heartwarming. It was touching. And every once in a while, when you listen to it, it's very inspiring. And then I think it was Norm MacDonald or somebody had some skit or he had a monologue where he just eviscerated everybody. And then it just became basically the sports award version of the white party. Of any white party, it's just a uh, it's just a bunch of elitists getting together, patting each other on the back, and now it's just become the official woke awards for the world of sports. So I mean, is it a tragedy? I don't know. I I'd like to say that they're staying on script. What did you think about the what they did to Will Kane in terms of taking him completely out of context, acting like you know he took some amazing shot? And, and, you know, clearly distorted the truth to promote the lie that these women have somehow overcome these incredible obstacles and all this sexism and misogyny. And, oh, my God, what a journey to equal pay. Well, to paraphrase that old uh, phrase, lies, damn lies, and mainstream media. Uh, and, and, this, and this is why it is important that we now have other platforms and, and I know Will Kane himself is a pretty big brand. He's, he's really flourished outside of ESPN. He's done a great job. And I'm glad that now he has his own form, whether it's just through Twitter, his own social media, or whatever platform he's on to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. You took half of what I said. Because in the past, I believe these things can be so exploited where anybody, not just Will Kane, could be buried. But at least now Will Kane has a, a chance and in, in, in platforms such as yours, Jason, can say, wait a minute, that's not the truth. It ain't the whole truth. It's not even the half truth. But I have become so distrustful of the mainstream media and outlets like ESPN. And, and I'll be honest, Jason, 10 to 12 years ago when someone said that, I'd be like, oh, God, you're, you're being paranoid. Come on, that stuff doesn't go on. But it's hard to actually ignore that they do this, and, and there's no doubt about it. It is very, very purposeful. Nothing is done by accident. Speaking of not an accident, the other thing that caught my attention at the ESPYs is Angel Reese, breakthrough player of the year. She gets it over Caitlin Clark. Uh, her whole platform is based off of beating Caitlin Clark. If there's no Caitlin Clark, no one knows or cares who Angel Reese is. Let's watch her do her little John Cena thing, and she's towering with these heels on. She's towering over Kyrie Irving, uh, Kyrie Irving at the ESPYs. Let's watch this clip. It's an honor for me to be here, up here with Kyrie, to help celebrate all the incredible things women are doing in athletics. And it's an honor for me to stand here with the beautiful Angel Reese, a powerhouse in our sport. Awards like this for my millions of young women across the country, you're in charge of your athletic journey, and you can do anything. They can't see you. <laughs> and here are the nominees for Best Athlete Women's Sports. 
Hmm. And so that best athletes for women's sports actually went to Caitlin Clark, but I don't think Caitlin Clark was there, which I think was a smart decision on her part to get caught up in all that Angel Reese, whatever. But breakthrough athlete of the year, just I've never seen anyone capitalize more off of poor sportsmanship and taunting than Angel Reese. Yeah, but it's all part of this virtue signaling. I saw a day or two ago that the SB's boxer of the year, and they had several really good candidates, and they chose a female fighter, Clarissa Shields, and I'm just like, oh, God. I mean, this is so bad that even in boxing, I see certain pundits in their pound-for-pound list, who's the best fighter in the world pound-for-pound. So there's Inoue, Terrence Crawford, Errol Spence, Alexander Usyk, guys of that ilk. And some people actually put in female fighters, and I'm thinking to myself, guys, None of these females could beat even the worst male fighters, and they'd be giving 35 pounds. I mean, literally, Clarissa Shields fought someone uh, in her last fight, and she went the distance. She has like 15 fights, one knockout. And I say, and I, and I the question that I have to all these guys that you, when you have Clarissa, Clarissa Shields up there with all these other fighters like Crawford, right? I have a question. You think Terrence Crawford wouldn't knock out these females that Clarissa Shields is fighting? I mean, they're, they're so divorced from reality. But again, this is what happens. The, my biggest issue with ESPN is that there's nobody there to at least raise a hand and say, wait a minute, guys, can we have an opposing viewpoint? Because then you're not allowed to. And, and they play the game that if you do not participate in this virtue signal Olympics, you don't rise up the ladder and you may not even have a job. So when people say, what was your biggest issue, Steve, with being at ESPN? It wasn't just the fact that you weren't allowed to have your own thoughts. The real problem became not the the suppression, but I thought it was the forced indoctrination of other party lines that they absolutely make you have or you have no future at that company. Steve, uh, before I let you go, I'm having your buddy Tommy Sotomayor on (laughs) right after you. (laughs) I can't wait. Tommy's coming on the show. You got any words of advice for me? Yeah. Um, step back and clear the lane. Let him have the ball. I, I mean, this is great. You know, Tommy. Tommy's doing some unbelievable spaces. The man, the man holds court. He's kind of like the uh, modern-day version of, uh, I would say, Richard Pryor. I think that's a very high compliment. You know, I, I get worried, though, when, when, when I don't hear from Tommy on, like, Twitter or I don't see anything pop up on YouTube. This guy's been banned a lot. I, I mean, it's almost like he's like Bin Laden hiding out in different caves because it, it's amazing to me that the vitriol that Tommy gets in a sense that, look, if you're saying that nobody but within your own community or color should be able to critique um, us, okay, you could say that Steve Kim should never critique anyone that's not just Asian. I completely disagree with it. I'm not going to play into that party line. Last time I checked, Tommy... Well, he fits the bill, and the, the most vitriol he gets from is from his own people. And I think he really does point out the hypocrisy of it all. Now, do I agree with everything Tommy says? Of course not. I don't agree with everything anyone says all the time. That's not the way it should be. But Tommy, to me, is a pioneer. I know that Kevin Samuels has gotten a lot of credit for whatever you call the manosphere or the red pill community. Tommy is one of the pioneers. He really is like the Christopher Columbus of this realm. And I just, I cannot wait to watch this. I'm going to give this show two likes, not just one. Not because only I'm on it, but Tommy. Oh, this, 
<laughs> this is big. I mean, you know, your show has come a long way. Now, though, now, now, Jason, you are truly fearless. You have hit the Sotomayor front. I can't wait to watch this. Oh, this is going to be good. It's going to be good. Thank you, Steve. Great job, as always. Uh, as the presidential primaries get underway, it's crucial that the candidates address the issues that Christians care about. That's why I'm excited to tell you that Blaze Media is teaming with the Family Leader, a pro-family, pro-marriage, pro-life organization, to host the summit, the first presidential forum of the election season. And here's the best part. The event is going to be moderated by none other than Tucker Carlson. Join us this Friday in Iowa as Tucker sits down one-on-one with each of the candidates to ask them the questions Christian voters want to hear answered. And when he's done interviewing the candidates, Glenn Beck will join Tucker on stage for an exclusive interview just for our Blaze TV subscribers. You're not going to want to miss this. So head on over now to blazemediasummit.com to subscribe and use the code SUMMIT for 30% off your subscription. Remember, you'll need to be a subscriber to watch Glenn's interview with Tucker. So go to blazemediasummit.com and use the code SUMMIT to save. Get your Fearless Army swag. Shop blazemedia.com slash fearless. Tommy Sotomayor. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, welcome back. We've been talking all week about the manosphere. We had Pearl on, Pearl Davis, pearly things which led to a discussion about the Manosphere. She's the queen of the Manosphere right now. And then we had a Twitter Spaces discussion about Pearl, and we had a surprise visitor uh, to our Twitter space. Not really a surprise, because he's come to other ones, but uh, Tommy Sotomayor, who many consider the first mayor of the, tw- uh, of the Manosphere, one of the original guys in the Manosphere. He joined our Twitter spaces, had some interesting things to say about Pearl and defending her. And so I just want to continue the conversation about the Manosphere, not particularly Pearl. We may talk a little bit about Pearl, but mostly about whether the Manosphere is a force for good or is the Manosphere a reinforcement of the delusion of man. And so uh, Tommy, uh, without further ado, welcome to Fearless. I know Tommy has been upset that, uh, you know, I haven't had him on Fearless earlier, uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. But Tommy, just, I know many people are well aware of your background, particularly those familiar with the Manosphere, but if you could give my audience a walkthrough, a little bit about your history as an internet content creator and one of the original guys uh, using YouTube and the internet to talk about issues related to men. Oh, well, first off, thank you for having me on here, Jason. And um, I started back in 2009 and I was doing this thing called blog talk radio. Uh, 
And on Blog Talk Radio, what I used to do was simply talk about what I thought many people wouldn't talk about, men's rights and father's rights. And some of the things I said ended up going viral because the individual who I was dating at the time, I knew nothing really about YouTube. I didn't mess with it, didn't put stuff on it. But they would take clips of stuff that I had on um, Blog Talk Radio and put it on YouTube. And uh, they started going viral. And one of the first videos I did was called the type of black woman that everybody hates. And that video went viral is on world star and almost everything I put up would go viral. And that's where it all started. And so you were basically in the Kevin Samuels lane long before Kevin Samuels and taking a lot of heat and blowback from black women for being critical of black women. Accurate. Yes, sir. As a matter of fact, I put up a video the other day. I showed people all of the messages I used to get from Kevin Samuels, who was a huge fan of mine before he started doing um, most of the talking points he got. He got them from me. (laughs) So tell me this, Tommy, honestly, you're and I was telling Royce this uh, before the show that this dude is one of the most talented broadcasters out there. I mean, it, 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 you come on the Twitter spaces and you're brilliant. The, the stuff I saw from your previous work when I was on your show, you're a super talented broadcaster. It, 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 tell me, that, why are you so obsessed, though, with you know, tooting your own horn or making sure that everybody, making sure that you state that everybody that uh, moves into the manosphere, actually stole all their material from you. I, it, it, it seems unnecessary and counterproductive to do that. I don't say everybody stole it, but you you brought up Kevin Sanders, and I wanted to point it out. Uh, if someone does something, I'm, I figure I'm like one of them pro-blacks who say that blacks created rock and roll. Are they obsessed with it, or are they telling the truth? <laughs> <laughs> I get but if... <laughs> I think people would be more apt to give you that credit if you didn't say it yourself. Because, again, it's clear as day, just based on the record, you were there first. You're a super talented broadcaster. I'm t- you're as talented a broadcaster as, 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 as Rush Limbaugh or anybody else. Why, has, why, why have you been pushed into the background? Well, that's exactly where it came from. When I would show up, like I didn't used to say or toot my own horn at all. Never used to do that at all. But you got tired of you, you're doing your show and someone says, you're trying to sound like Kevin Samuels. You're trying to sound like so-and-so. That became irritating. It would be like being James Naismith and you're saying, you're trying to play basketball like so-and-so. And you're like, no, I created it. That it does get irritating if someone's doing that. And how did I end up getting pushed in the background? Well, if you build up something that tear down, Whoever's not, whoever's going up slower than you, you build it up, they tear it down. It looks like this. They tear you down, they tear you down, and the others don't get torn down. So you look like you are following them instead of the other way around. And so you think it's all jealousy, no mistakes from by Tommy. No, no, no. I didn't say it's, it was jealousy. I didn't say it. I didn't even use the word jealousy. I don't think what gotcha. happens is if I say something and I get knocked down off of um, YouTube, if they're saying something and they don't, well, theirs keep going up. So you forget about who started anything. 
Um, you won't you don't remember who is the first person who uh, Mayuchi Antonio Mayuchi. No one knows that name. Uh, Tesla just came back, came back because of uh, Elon Musk. Most people don't know him. If you are the one who gets the credit for it, then the guy who created it usually won't. And if they're not alive, they definitely won't. So with me, the channels would go down so the other people's channels wouldn't go down. If mine go down and yours don't, like most people can't even find me now. And who do you think, though, who's pulling those strings? YouTube, big tech, the people in Silicon Valley, they're afraid of Tommy and would prefer that a Kevin Samuels or a Pearl Davis be the face of the Manosphere? Well, you have to look at it this way. Uh, even when the whole Manosphere thing started, I used to disavow them because I felt like they were like, I, I used to make the joke of I was um, I was uh, Gizmo and somebody threw water on my back and they jumped off. Like it, they, they, I would start seeing them come up because I didn't create the Manosphere, just like Jesus didn't create Christianity. I didn't create the Manosphere. Those guys came after me saying the things that I was saying, but a lot of times they would bastardize it, and they would make it to where, oh, wait a minute, I didn't say that. And they were quoting me, and I was like, I didn't say that. That's not what I meant. So it wasn't like I'm walking around saying I created it. I never did. Even when I heard the term Manosphere, I didn't. I was like, what is that? They were like, those guys exist because of you. They're taking your talking points. I was like, but I didn't say that. So that's where that all happened. Is the manosphere a good thing or does it perhaps feed the delusion of men that the problems we're seeing in the world are all the fault of women and not our fault? And see, that's another that's another interesting thing. I always blame it on. I say well, you can talk about what the women are doing but it's your fault that it's happening. It's almost like being a parent. So when I, the reason I disavowed the manosphere, because I said, you would have a lot of men listening to someone say high value man, but those men weren't high value men. It was just for them to be able to say that women y'all should be with me because of, and that's not the case. I don't believe in telling women that they should be with you, you know, or excuse me, in spite of, like you have all these problems, but they should still want to be with you because you're a man. We're selling sometimes things to people and not even asking them what they want. So if I had to, if I had to say if it was a good thing, yes, it's a good thing that certain conversations are being had. But I definitely believe it feeds to the delusion of men because it's a lot of men who are saying things and they don't fit the picture. It's almost like saying a woman who's saying I'm a queen, I'm a t I'm a ten, I'm a I'm a I'm a bad b, and she's a three. But once you start letting all of them say it, then they're all going to say it and you're never going to be able to reel that back, which is where we are now. What do you think the message of the Manosphere should be? What, who, who is, is anybody out there doing it right? What would you like, what conversations need to happen to move, to move things forward in a positive direction? I'm a, I'm I'm scared to watch other people because I'm a sponge. Like a lot of people, I remember uh, D.L. Hughley used to say that I sound a lot like um, Bernie Mac. Well, I watched a lot of Bernie Mac. Well, I guess that would be how I would sound a little bit like him. I'm old school. I Robin Harris, uh, Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy. 
Those are my guys. So you will hear me and they sound, I will say things that sound like them. Since I'm a sponge, I try not to listen to too many people. So whenever these people pop up, I don't even know them. But it seems like when the guys start talking, they talk from someone else's experience and not from theirs. And I think the one thing that I believe is pulling it back is everybody's jumping in it, looking at it now as a vehicle for money. So it's not people who have a real gripe. It's people who see, hey, I can get some money off of it. It's like what you guys were asking. Is it a grift? Most of it is, to be perfectly honest. So it's hard to get bogged down in the minutia with them because whenever you try to have a real conversation about something, they're spitting talking points that they got from somewhere else or don't even know where they got it from. You don't know how many times I've had people talk to me and repeat what I've said. And I had to sit there and listen to them. And I'm like, you know, you're talking to the person who came up with that, right? You? Yes. And you know, that's not what I meant when I said it, right? Or, you know, this is where you get the information from. So that's, to me, is a sad part. People aren't really doing their studies on what they're talking about. They're speaking about it from who said it. And I'll finish it with this. I grew up in a church in a church. And when I was little, there was a song they used to sing. There's a lot of them like that. And the song used to go, um, uh, how, how would it go? It would go. Um, they would say something and then everybody in the church would repeat what they were saying. When I was little, I didn't get it. I said, oh, the deacon is saying something. And then they're repeating what he's saying, but they're just singing it. And he'll say, there's a cross for everyone, and there's a cross for me. And then the crowd will go, and there's a cross. And I was like, so you don't have to read the book. You just listen to what the pastor says. And then as I grew up, I remember someone told me, it's like the Bible says, hell has no fear like a woman scorn. And I said, but the Bible doesn't say that. Well, a lot of people repeat what they heard more than what they know. And in the South, that is a big thing. And so I guess once I got to a certain point, I started realizing people are repeating what they heard, but not what they know. And I wish more people would be scholarly about what they hear to go and find it. And I think that would push the conversation forward so we wouldn't start spitting out things that were untrue. I, you've taken me to a point where I, I, I feel like I have to ask you, you somewhat strongly defended Pearl in the Twitter spaces. I'm wondering now for a fuller thought, do you think Pearl is someone that's just basically repeating other people's talking points? Well, yes, I think a lot of it is. Um, I defended the idea of what she was going through, which is if someone's attacking you, why are you going to talk to them? That would be kind of silly because they're trying to make you look bad. Most people don't go into conversations having a good faith. Even if you think you know something about someone, let them tell you so you can then check them on what they say. And so that's what I was saying. But a lot of what she's saying is stuff that is already has been said or something that's going to it, it's triggering. It's purposely triggering to people. And the sad part about it is women are easily triggered. So it's easy to do it because as a man, you know this, if they say black men need to take care of their kids. Even if you take care of your kids, you're not going to jump up and say, I do it. I do it. You will actually agree and be like, yeah, there's a lot of brothers that need to take care of their kids. You don't get offended. Women will get offended at certain things, and it's sad to see them do it. So it's one of the easiest targets to just get them riled up. Well, but think about it. 
70% of all ad dollars are spent going towards women because women have these insecurity issues. So if you say something about them, they're going to jump up to defend themselves. And society is now telling them everything they do is right. So they definitely have a reason to defend themselves. Look at what's going on with um, Jonah Hill. He's being misogynist. He's being controlling. But if someone tells you what they're willing to deal with and what they're not, doesn't that sound like a woman? Women tell men all the time what you have to do to date them. And if you're not willing to meet it, don't date them. We've never went away and said that woman's controlling. But now that's actually what they're doing. They're going back in men's history. So because they're that insecure, they're easy to poke. Royce, he said a couple things that seem to have caught your fans here. You agreed with Am I? Am I right? Yeah, I love what he's saying. <laughs> I, I, I love this guy. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I like yeah. his beard. Tommy, Tommy, I'm just telling you, this guy is brilliant. He's a skilled broadcaster. But as I told you before, it's time to give me a backhand compliment. He threw it out of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're undisciplined. You're, you're undisciplined. And so I look at, at, you and go, man, this dude should have been Andrew Tate for America, but, you know, minus the, well, I can't even say minus, but should have been Andrew Tate. Yeah, <laughs> should have been Andrew Tate, but the lack of discipline, you, you, you stepped, you, you, you put banana pills in front of yourself with, with, you know, some unnecessary fights, not playing above. It's like, I look at the, the scrap, you went back and forth with Kwame Brown, and I just didn't get it. It, it, it doesn't, it, it made no sense to me why you would be arguing and fussing with Kwame Brown. But it made sense that Kwame Brown would be arguing with me by that logic? Yes. Yes. So it made sense that Kwame yes. would argue with me, but it didn't make sense that I would argue with him? Absolutely. Please explain that to the Kwame world. Kwame Brown, because Kwame Brown's not as skilled a broadcaster or as brilliant as you, and I don't say that to uh, be dismissive of Kwame Brown, but as a broadcaster, he doesn't have your skills. And so uh, you should, there's a lot of people that pick and fuss at me that I completely ignore because it's just, it, it ain't even, they're not on my level. And so why would I why would I roll around in the mud with them when I could just put out my own content and keep it moving and everybody would ignore or, or just forget about them because my actual talents would so outshine their lack of talent that it would make them irrelevant. I, I just and again, I have respect for Kwame Brown, but I also am smart enough and have heard enough from you to be like, this guy is a brilliant broadcaster that knows a lot, and he's wrestling with a NBA player that's out on a tractor or in a car taping videos, just saying stuff, you know, not off the top of his head, but it just, it, it, it was completely unnecessary, and, it, and it, to me it distracted from people being able to see the substance that you have to offer rather than seeing you wrestle around and have a petty feud with someone who's just an up and comer. Well, people forget that I knew him 
before he became what he was. And when he started taking shots with me, then I took him back because at that moment, you have to remember exactly what I said. They're knocking me off of all of social media. So they knock me down. I have to start back over again. So if you already have it, it's the same way reason that you will bring people on your show. Conan, when he had a show, Jimmy Kimmel, all of these people, Pearl came on your show. Had Pearl not had a name, Pearl problem. Pearl could actually go away next week. She could go away next year. You would forget all about her. But because she had a name, you brought her on. So if he has a name and he's got all these people looking at him and they've already knocked my stuff down and then he's repeating it like there was one thing he repeated word for word. And it was hilarious. Everybody was like, oh, it's such a good speech. And I said, he literally repeated. I had this thing called uh, resting on somebody else's laurels. And it's a beautiful song. I play it to you one day. People love that song. But he repeated it in one of his speeches, word for word. And everybody's like, oh, that is so right. Why haven't we done this for Black Wall Street? And it goes viral. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, come on. So after a while, you start saying, well, I got to use that vehicle. If that person is using me, then I will use them. So that's what it was. It wasn't like it was even with me. I didn't even really care about it. It was, I'm starting over and over again from the bottom. So if you do something and you're using my name, I'm going to make sure, like Corey Holcomb. Corey Holcomb did a show the other day. I haven't said anything about Corey Holcomb in years. I never said anything about him. He was talking to Boyce Watkins and Willie D. Out of nowhere, he brings up my name again. And when he brings up my name, he tells a complete lie. Tommy was trying to talk to my wife and get his my wife, my ex-wife on the show. I don't even know who his ex-wife is. People who use me or use something I say. And so I guess I can either not say something and you'd be right. Or I could say something. I think I'm one of those people. I always said I could, I'm not a good leader because with me, if you say something, I'll say something back, whether you're this big or this big. I grew up like that. I guess I grew up a fighter. And so I always say something back, which isn't a good thing. I will say that, that it is not a good thing because some people you should just let not be able to get you off your square. Yeah, be, look, I consider myself a fighter, but, but I don't want to say I'm Floyd Mayweather, but it's like I'm going to pick the right fights and the fights that are going to put money in my pocket. I'm just not going to fight anybody. You referenced Corey When Holcomb. his numbers went down, I, I stopped responding to him. <laughs> I don't respond to him no more. <laughs> but, but, he says my name. I don't respond to him no more. But, but you referenced Corey Holcomb. I used to be friends with Corey Holcomb. Uh, and, and Corey Holcomb is a guy that loves to talk about me. I, I, I don't pay attention to it. I mean, he says a lot of ignorant things about me. I've never paid attention to it, never responded to it. Because, and, and Corey Holcomb's got a nice little following. He, he does well on the Chitlin comedy circuit, and I, I don't say that to be dismissive, but that's what he, he's, he's built a nice little probably $500,000 a year career going around to little ghetto nightclubs and doing his comedy routine. I'm perfectly good with that. And he, he can lie about me and, and ridicule me and all that other stuff. But in my lane, for what I do, he, he can't hurt me in, in any way. 
Uh, so that's why he's just speaking at me and I won't respond to him because I know I'm like, I've seen, I saw where you were. I went to LA. I was out there and watched you inside of a, uh, uh, what do you call those st- storage unit? I'm good. I'm not arguing with you and I won't, but he still keeps trying to pick an argument with and I, I find it funny, but, but you're right. Uh, this idea of some people, I just don't touch them because it, it it's not worth it. At the time he was worth it. And now he's not like with Kwame Brown. The time he was worth it. He's not now. And but I, one thing I did try to do, and I will say this, because we were f- we were friendly before. He would ask me for advice on what to do of how to go viral, and I would tell him. So that became a, a bone of contention with me, and it was more of man, I'm hurt that I gave that I help you, and then you turned on me that that I helped you, that I didn't understand. So I think that was more of what that was of if you help me, it would kind of hurt you if I just start attacking you. You'd be like, wait a minute, I, I, I put you in this spot. I've lived long enough, and again, it's not, I don't want to sound like I'm perfect because I, people, I have these conversations off air, like, man, what should I do? Because, but I've lived long enough that, that I, I almost expected that there are going to be people that you help and and one again, it's like you create little welfare kings or queens, and when you take the welfare away, they become bitter and complain, and you're the worst person on the planet. I got a dude uh, right now on Twitter that you know I, for several years helped him just out of the kindness of of my heart and just out of sincere interest and respect. Dudes, I'll call him by name, Curtis Schoon. Used to come on podcasts with him, politicking or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Never did anything bad to Curtis Schoon. Nothing but help. When I quit giving him help and moved on to doing what I want, he then makes me a target and I'm the worst person on the planet. So, this is the way of the world and, and so did, did I have conversations away from like, man, should I respond to this? Blah, blah, blah. And, and go, nah, just, you know, irrelevant and, and don't do it. And, and does it bother you, me a little bit? But I'm 56. I, Tommy, what are you, 45? Uh, Seven. Okay. 47. I'm just telling you, man, it, it, it's, you got to let these people go and roll up. They're irrelevant. They're no, not going to... One of the problems with me is I take almost everything personally. You have to remember uh, all this stuff that even happened to me was shocking. The whole idea of it blew up. I didn't go into this as a business. It was something that I was doing that became a business. I went into it. I was just speaking what something I thought. I came from my IT background. I spoke something that I knew was correct is what I thought. And I was doing that. And so when it became all these people either want to be like you, be with you or take from you, that was all new to me. I had never been a celebrity at 20, at 25, at 30. I was not. So this was all new. So I handled things like I handled my personal life. And I was um, called when I was younger and probably now they would say this word. I don't know if you're Southern or not, but they say you got a tender D because I would fall in love easily. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know why that's hilarious? That's one of my mother's favorite 
Uh, that's one of her, my mother's favorite criticisms. She, she, that was her. That was what she called my father. We're falling in love. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my mother watches like it. Yeah, my mother watches this. She gonna fall out laughing because, <laughs> you know, cause my my father left my mother, and they got divorced or whatever. And and my father, I got married three times, and my, my mother was always like, "Yeah, he's tender dick, Jason. You know, <laughs> yeah. he, he dips his stick, and you know, he gonna fall in love." And and my father would would totally totally disagree with that. But anyway, Tommy, go go ahead. See, I'm I'm overly honest, and I think that's why people like me because I will I I will call myself out, but and, and that is a problem with me. I I love hard, and if I'm your friend, I give you everything. If I if I date you, that's why there's no woman has ever come out. How old as I am, and, and all the things that people can say. If you notice, it's not been one woman that came out and said he didn't treat me well. It's not been one, and that should be amazing to everybody because there's been a lot of things said about me. The most criticism I get from women I date is he gave me too much, so I'm gonna get out and tell the public that you gave me and gave me, which is a weird diss, but that's what it is. So I take things personally because I don't see it as business. And you're right. I need a uh, me and my cousin. Uh, he talked to me. He said, "What you need in your life is a what kind of language can I use?" I, I'm not gonna be. You know, he would listen. say, "You need a." Say what? Okay, he would say you need a no. Oh. You got too many yes. Oh, 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 you you did. You said the one word that I. <laughs> I'll say whatever you want, but not that word. Oh, yeah. Karma. Go. That see, you should got to tell me what the third rail is. Yeah, that, that's but my you know, only I mean, third you know rail. Uh, you got it, too many people. Are, you don't. You need a guy that will sit there like what you said. You have that you can call him and say, "Hey, should I do this?" And they say, "No." Me, it's all me, so it's a reaction, and you get a real world I, I'm, reaction. I'm, be quick. I, I'm going to. You've made an argument that I agree with, and I certainly struggled with when I was younger, and and I start to think of myself. That and one of the points you made is like. Hey, you know, in your 20s, you weren't a celebrity in your 30s, blah, blah, blah. And then it comes about and you don't know how to deal with it. And I'm sitting here going, well, hold on. You know, I was the most popular kid in my high school, captain of a nationally ranked high school football team, college football player, and then moved into this journalism career. And very early in my journalism career, I became a public figure and a celebrity. And so I had a lot of experience and I had a lot of betrayal that I did not handle as well in my late 20s, mid 30s, as well as I do now, I did go through a learning curve and figure it out. Cause I'm, I'm and th that's why I, I, I laugh now when people, when I pull away from people or go a different direction, I can't even say pull away, but just like have to take care of me and like there's no welfare for me to give. And when these people turn on me, I, I now I just laugh and I go, man, this happened to me at 28. There, there was a there was a white dude in uh, Kansas City, Missouri, when I first got there as a columnist at age 27. They used to fax. This was before email. He would fax in a critique of the newspaper and of me and everybody. And I found it entertaining. And he he lived in Kansas City, knew the sports scene. Uh, better than I did when I first got there. 
And me and the guy became friends because I enjoyed the things he faxed in to the newspaper so much. And I ended up helping him get a job at the Kansas City Star. He had some writing talent. And, and, I, and I got him a job at the radio station I was working at. I went on vacation on a cruise somewhere on a vacation, gone for two weeks. When I came back, the radio station had fired him. Mm. And when I came back, and they only hired him because of me, and, and he thought I should demand that they give him his job back. Well, when they explained to me what he did and why they fired him, I was like, ain't nothing I can do. <laughs> you acted know, a fool. You, know, you did this and that. Because of the, that dude instantly turned on me and became my biggest enemy and critic and devoted a solid 10 straight years mm. trying to bring me down. Mm. And I was friends with him and his wife. I had uh, dated his wife's best friend, mm. it, it, and, and I'm like, this dude completely turned, and I, it did hurt me at that time, but that experience prepared me basically for the rest of my career, and that's why I look at things now, and when I see people respond poorly, uh, you know, I just, I just, it's, it's part of the process. And t Tommy, I, I say all that to say, what Tommy has uh, wanted, and I don't say this in a way to diminish Tommy, but Tommy's made it clear via text to me and, and conversation that he wanted to come on the show. I was apprehensive about bringing Tommy on the show for a long time because it's like, man, Tommy beefs with everybody. <laughs> and, and, and like, Tommy seems like the kind of guy that like, if he don't like the way things goes, you know, he's going to be talking about me and, you know, going off. And so I just like, I'd rather not. That's the sincere explanation, Tom. That and because when I came on your show, Tommy, and I'm just keeping it a thousand percent real. I came on your show and I asked you several times, like, man, what do people have a criticism about you about? What do you do that, you know, makes people uncomfortable? And it wasn't until after the show, you didn't tell me, people started DMing me on Twitter and Instagram saying, you know Tommy got an OnlyFans with pornographic material on it. And I'm like, <laughs> what? No, see what I'm happened like, was, if you can't broadcast anywhere, that was the only place that would allow me to broadcast. And then they went and flagged that from me broadcasting. How is it you can't broadcast on OnlyFans? How you get flagged down there? Got it. But Tommy, just, just I don't know if you know much about this show, but we express a biblical worldview. And, you know, I'm taking a risk here. Like this dude got OnlyFans and I'm bringing him on this show. But I wanted to talk about the Manosphere. Uh, trust me, there's a lot of shadiness in my past. I talk about it all the time. You know, you know, there, there's some strippers that could come out of the woodwork on me, but I've already copped to it. It's all true. Whatever they say, it's all true. I don't have any of them. I agree. I don't have any of them. That's a joke. That's a joke. That's a joke. That's a, <laughs> because, again, you know what they can say? The same thing they said about Tommy. Man, he was so generous. Uh, <laughs> any, but to, that's the full explanation, Tommy. No, listen, but people don't point out 
And that's what I think is so disingenuous. Like right now, they'll say, you struggling. You've been banned on OnlyFans. I mean, and you've been banned on YouTube. And you've been banned on, like Twitter. I had a Twitter that had over 300,000. Now I'm at three. I got to keep sneaking back on. Can't even see family on Facebook because they found my Facebook and flagged my Facebook. So you flag me down everywhere. Then you talk crap about me being on a platform because that's the only one would let me broadcast. That doesn't make sense. It would be be like making sure I can't I I get fired from my job and I can't pay my bills. Then you come by talking crap because I'm living on the street. I'm living on the street because you literally got me fired from my job. And that's what was people he, was are doing. Was he doing porn on the OnlyFans, or was he just putting his podcast up on OnlyFans? Was he Tommy. podcasting while he was having sex? The podcast. Tommy. It was a podcast. Tommy, tell the truth. It was the Tell the truth. Listen, I'm telling you, that's what it was. It was the podcast. Now, was it some cheeks being beat every now and again? Sure. But that was, <laughs> but that was because of what was going on on the podcast. And that's Tommy, what this is what I, this is my whole point, Tommy. You're making my point. <laughs> There's no way somebody with your broadcasting skills and intellect should be posting that kind of content on any website. If again, if you were a mediocre broadcasting talent, I would get it. But you but have you broadcast next generation broadcasting skills and and you dirtied it up with again, I talk on this show all the time. I'm a talented journalist. And, and I dabbled in trouble and danger, but there were lines I wouldn't cross. I would be at parties, and when the coke and dope showed up, deuces, I'm out of here. Yeah. I can't cross this line. I, I'm not going to call this name. But think but, about it. I've never crossed that line. I've never done any drug. Well, I, again, there's just, any, and I was joking when I said believe anything, because there's only so much anybody can say about me because I was always respectful. Like, I got a career. I got family to take care of. I got myself to take care of. I have this unique talent that I'm, there's only so far I can go. And, and I am a believer and a Christian. There's only so far I'm going to go. I'm not going to let my lust or lack of discipline carry me to a place where it undermines my career. And so they're, they're, me and my best friend fell out for a long time. Because through a bachelor party, I was the bachelor party king. People, I got guys that would love to get divorced and remarried just so I could throw them a bachelor party. But one of my friends was like, man, we, if we just had some Coke. <laughs> I was like, you talking to me, bro? <laughs> really? <laughs> and it, it just loved the dude. Love him like a brother. But it's like, wow, man, you asking me to throw my whole career away, you know, there's certain things I can survive. Hey, Whitlock is out in Vegas and they're at a strip club, blah, blah, blah. I can survive that. But once they say there's Coke involved, I'm done. And, and, and so, I'm t- Tommy got me taller. But I've talked about all this uh, previously. And it, Tommy, that, that's what I'm just saying. I don't know if... And again, you you weren't prepared for this. You didn't. It doesn't sound like you went to journalism school. You're you're probably weren't even when you were young even aware of how talented you were and are. And you lacked that perspective and needed a mentor, in my view. And you'd be in a much better space. Well, here's the thing: when someone says you'd be in a much better space, it's the equivalent of asking a person again who you got fired from everything. 
from everything they do. And now you're complaining about what they're doing to keep their lights and their bills on and their bills paid. Cause that's what, that's what y'all are talking about. You're saying you're, you're much bigger talent. Well, you had a job and you weren't trying to ruin it because you were doing Coke, but there's a lot of people who lost their job and they were on the streets who started selling Coke, who started selling certain things that they probably wouldn't have done had they had another avenue or another thing that they could have done. My mother talked about that. She said, she, I'm a pastor now. She said, but when I was younger, I was just a young woman with kids trying to put food on the table. Am I proud of everything I did when I was young? No, I'm not. But I'm not going to let anybody make me feel bad about stuff I didn't have that I went out to try to get. And I'm telling everyone, I wasn't on NBC, ABC. As a matter of fact, I had gotten so, so down that I wasn't even on YouTube. I couldn't even be on Mixer. I couldn't be on anything. And so when you can't find me, you can't say I lost something or he hurt something. He knocked something down. He didn't have it. They took it. You didn't see me doing it when I had YouTube. You didn't see me doing anything. I was just saying what was true. And you go out of your way to put somebody in the homeless shelter. And then you turn around and say, well, I would have never done that to get out of it. Well, there's a thing. You go look at what the, 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 the Russians did. There were many Russians during the famine. You know what they turned to? Cannibalism. How about you go look at what happened with the six, uh, with, with the people that crashed in the airplane, the Alps. You know what they ended up doing? Eating each other. You know what a lot of black folks ended up doing? Eating things they wouldn't eat now during slavery. Whenever people tell you what it is that they wouldn't do, it'd be different if you saw me sitting on an ivory tower and I just decided to just jump in the mud. Did that happen? No, it didn't. Again, I couldn't even I couldn't even broadcast anywhere, anywhere. So when someone asked me what I did to pay bills I had created myself, I paid them. And they may not like it and I may not like it. But you know who do? The people who I made sure was OK, so they didn't have to do it. Royce, stand in the gap for me here. I'm still processing my reaction to that. Because I'm certainly someone that believes any man is capable or woman is capable of anything. So I agree with that sentiment. But I I want some additional time to think here. I mean, well, he's, he's talking about the human condition. I think it's a very valid point to consider about all walks of life, not just people who create content, but but trying to consider what people are capable of. Many people are victim of circumstance. And again, I've said this on the show before, we get caught up in like, you know, the the time span of our life and how things unfold or occur in our life. But if you think about the metaphysical and, uh, you know, God, the one true living God, things don't occur rational to us as they do to God. So there are people whose lives become victim of circumstance in this greater plan that God has or this greater thing that God has at work that wouldn't make sense to us. And we go, why would you do that? But it works out in, in the end when it for God. Right. And you can see that biblically. Right. Did 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 King David, did God want King David to uh, covet Bathsheba? And, and no. Amen. And David paid a toll for that. Right. His first child, uh, I mean, his child with Bathsheba died. Uh, and, and then they went on to have more children. So, you know, there are things that people do. I think what he's trying to say in, in circumstance that um, 
it's unwise to look at when you've never been in that circumstance and say, I for sure wouldn't do that. Now you could say with good certainty, I believe I wouldn't do that. But to have a, a sort of judgmental approach and say, I for sure wouldn't do that is, uh, is, is unwise. I would, I would agree with that. Okay, especially so I, someone... I certainly, I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead, Tommy. Oh, I was gonna say, especially when someone says, oh, I went here. Well, that could look bad too. If you're a Christian and you're sitting there throwing the best bachelor parties on earth and you got a bunch of, a bunch of women, but we don't do drugs. Well, there's somebody who could look at that and say, well, I wouldn't do that either. Especially when you talk about it with the glee that you do. They might say, you don't even seem very remorseful about it, but I will give you a perfect example. Most of us would believe that we would not deny Jesus if we knew Jesus and saw everything that Jesus said. Matter of fact, let me tell you who said that they wouldn't. Paul. Or was it Paul and Simon? Simon said, no, I would never deny Paul you. Paul and Simon, aren't they the same? Yeah, he changed. He, oh, uh, well, no, not Peter in Simon, that book. He did change go ahead, things. go ahead, go ahead. You're right. You're, you're right. Yeah. Peter and Simon. So what I, he I said that. was, I'd never do this. And Jesus tried to tell him, what I'm going to go through, you're not going to be able to go through it. See, I will go. And even Jesus knew when in, it was only in one book where he said it, where he said, hey, take this cup away from me because I don't want to do that. But he knew that human being, when faced with death and seeing with the punishment they gave him, oh, he'd deny him real quick. And he told him, not only are you going to deny me, you're going to deny me three times. And when he saw what they were doing to Jesus and what they were doing to the other followers of him, he said, it'd be better for me at this point to just lie so I can get away than stay here and be the, let me say it, and die. And he cried over it. He repented. And guess who they, who, who they ended up building the church on? him. So even though he did what he did, and even though he was a killer, or what about the guy who pro pro persecuted the Jews and then ended up oh, being... He's one about to get some smoke in the... <laughs> You're going to so, get some so, smoke well, in the chat right there saying that they built the church on the rock of Peter. I, we, <laughs> we've been down that road before, but I like this guy. I like this guy. Though. <laughs> so I talk, the guy's is, great. If, Tommy's so great. What I'm saying is, so what I'm saying is, you put somebody in a certain position, I have people who depend on me and I depend on me. And it got to a point where I'm going to make sure I eat. And if I'm not bothering you and I'm not hurting you, it can hurt your sensibilities, but I'm going to eat. I can't worry Let about me, I, your I, I sensibilities could, when I'm hungry. I, I want to I give an example to try and bridge a gap. My own experience, right? When I was blackballed from the league, for example, and I'm going to all of these different um, media outlets, whatever media outlets would allow me to tell my story in whatever fashion they would. And I'm, you know, in the room dealing around, moving around with, with institutions that I know in my heart are corrupt in totality, but I'm still trying to measure being able to get my story out because of the thing that I'm going through personally. And it's a tough act to balance. And there are things that I said or things that I did or just a general way that I carried myself at the time at 21, getting on the national global stage to speak out about a global issue with one of the biggest and most influential corporations in, in human history, in the NBA or professional sports. And there are things I can look back now on and say, I would have said this differently. Like when I was on Don Lemon, I had a chance to go on Don Lemon at the time. Number one, now I probably wouldn't be invited on Don Lemon, much less would I go on there under under specific guidelines because I know with how that would end. But when I look back at the interview, I go, I wish I would have said this, or I wish I would have had this in mind, or I wish I would have. So I think 
When you're when you're blackballed or when you feel like you've been outcast um, by by the society, it creates that that resent. Number one, a, a, a valid resent, uh, you know, not a superficial resent, a real valid resent, and it causes people to lash out and do things that sometimes they wouldn't do. Now, would I say or do I believe that a strong faith could curtail some of that? Yeah, but there are people in the Bible who showed wrath and rage and resent, and, and they later on repented yep. for it as well. So. So I think both of y'all have used this word, and that's where I'll land on all of this. Repent. And, and, and Tommy, I, I, I don't know if you did it intentionally, but I, I want to make sure the audience, and the audience that watches regularly knows this, and I don't have to say this for them, but I, I just want to enter it into the record. I'm not proud of the life that I used to live, and on this show, I talk about it constantly, as a as a reminder and as a warning to younger people that you think there's all this happiness in sexual lust and and fulfillment and just hey this is what you should be doing this whole show is basically predicated on me daily repenting for many of the mistakes that I made uh, when I was younger and more out into the world and, many, and I, I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back, but the decisions I've made, the, the, the road that I have ch chosen, there's less gold on this road than if I had stayed the course with what I was doing. That road would have been paved with $10, $12 million a year. Uh, and, and part of my repentance and backing up my repentance is walking away from that road and, and confessing and repenting continuously on the show publicly, privately, in conversations with God and Jesus, in prayer. And so that's what I always think the option is. I understand you and, and, and you say, hey, look, there's things I had to do uh, to stay afloat, and and I'm not going to. Uh, I wouldn't say you're saying you're you're not being super defiant, but you you don't want to be shamed for it. And I, I'm not sure if I want you to be shamed for it, but I do think uh, you should repent, and you should come into an awakening of like, hey man, you were gifted a special talent. It's unfortunate that is you know it took you time to realize it. Uh, fully and completely, but but you, you you really were gifted with a special, and there's still time for you to utilize that talent and exploit that talent in a way uh, that will meet your financial needs, I believe, and uh, push men and the culture in a better direction. But even when you uh, ask things like that, it's like um, my mom. I don't think she wants to have the conversation every day. She's a pastor now. She's doing what she's doing. I don't think she wants to have the conversation every day when somebody walks up to her and tells her, well, you know, your kids got different daddies. I don't think she wants to just keep, and then somebody tell them, well, you should repent. And you're like, do you know me? Have you asked me? I mean, is these, are these things when we say these things? Let me people? say this, Tommy, and I say it mm -hmm. respectfully. I say it respectfully. And, and I think you'll agree with me. Don't, don't compare yourself to a woman. Don't analogize no, 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 just, yourself with the same mentality or actions as a woman. You're not a woman. 
Uh, I'm holding no, her I to a far lesser standard. Women don't repent. Women don't repent. No, they they admit no, no, no I wasn't mistakes. saying that. I was saying I was using it as an example of something I knew directly where I know if I sit around and kept doing it, the person would be like, well, my life is an example of where I am. That's why Jesus told a woman, go forth and sin no more. That was, he, he, I mean, he sit there and told him, it's not her job to sit up here and talk in front of all of y'all. Y'all throw, throw, throw the first stone. The people who told you anything that I've done, did they tell you what they've done? So we had a good conversation and you just think about it. And Jesus went against that. That whole idea of I'm sitting down talking to somebody and somebody walk up and tap Jesus on the shoulder. You know, that's a hoe. You know, they did so and so. Jesus said, no, I'm having a good conversation with him. How about that? But you didn't do that. You sit up there and listen to what people told you. So you wonder why I'm in the spot. Oh, I was in the spot I was in because people like you and everybody else decided to hear what somebody said, not what I said. And they use them to go and tell YouTube, knock him down. We don't like what he does. Knock him down. We don't like what he does. So you and I had a good show and somebody came and told you. Great show. Wonderful conversation. Loved what the guy was saying. You know, he does only fans. But what the hell do you do? That's what Jesus would ask every time somebody brought him some dirt. So, but, but Tommy, again, I didn't have you on the show, but I certainly didn't do anything to harm you. Well, you don't think that might be a harm? What? We know what media is. Tell me if it's not. What is media? Exposure. And every bit of exposure you get puts you in a better place. Every bit of exposure you don't get put you back. It sets you back. And if you can have some, and whoever told you, if they saw it worked, you know what else they might do? Like when I did my movie, Tyreek Nasheed wanted to be a part of my movie. When he decided he didn't like my movie, you need to make sure you go watch my movie. It's called The Fatherless America. I guarantee you'll like it. Um, you can find it at afatherlessamerica.com or you can rent it at Amazon. Amazon got it rated a 4.9 out of 5. Uh, great movie. Um, Tyree Nasheed was all about it. Then he decided to dislike me. When he disliked me, he went over to Dr. Umar Johnson and said, don't do a show. Because Dr. Umar was supposed to already do my show. So I'm getting ready to sit up with Dr. Umar Johnson. He's like, I can't do it. And he wouldn't tell me why. Now, you could say Tyreek didn't hurt me. That man made a decision on his own. But if you got a person nah, going Tyreek hurts you. Tyreek hurts you. That, that's a different analogy. I, I, I made a decision about... What's best for my show? Just like Umar did. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. The Umar part. Umar made a decision from hearing what Tyreek said that he'll choose not to do my movie. You made a decision based upon what people told you to not have me in and front of And what I audience. went and found for myself. It, it was backed yeah, no, up. Uh, yes, from and, what they told you. Yes, but also, again, your... Uh, willingness to beef with everybody is just like, well, I need. Who is this? Everybody. What I need another person. Never that as them as soon as the deal is over, Tommy. Damn near as soon as the deal was over, you were on your show already talking about me. Oh, look at what you said. You were sitting there like, like right now. You don't see it. I guarantee you, people see it. You throw, you throw shots, and then we'll start out by saying, I don't mean to throw a shot. You do. You can watch this interview Tommy, right if now. you watch listen to me, okay, listen, but if you listen to me, do you know how many shots I take at myself every day? Again, now I play rough. There's no question about it. This ain't this ain't for punks. 
I play rough. Sure I'm did. not a punk. Nobody that comes on the show can be a punk. Because, I, 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 again, if, if I don't play rough with you, it's probably a sign that I don't respect you. So you justify playing rough, but then when the person responds to the roughness, you say, well, how is that? Like, seriously, if, if a person, I, always, I was always told this by my, by my uh, grandmom and granddad. If you slap somebody, you can't get, you can't dictate how they'll respond. They might I've stab. never slapped you, Tommy. I've never you slapped you. It. You know that people's sensibilities are different, and you do know this. And that was another thing Jesus talked about. People's sensibilities are different. What you are offended by, somebody else might not be. And what you think shouldn't be offensive, they may think it is. We know this. That's why we take our shoes off okay, somebody and, else's and, house. But not in our own, but in our own, we just walk around with them on, or or vice versa. We may think things are different. And so all I'm saying is, I didn't re- as you say anything I said in response. I didn't say anything out of line. I didn't talk about how you look and talk about your mama, your daddy. I literally didn't say anything. You can't if you believe what you did was soft, you have to say anything I said back was just as. And I was confused at you were saying something and I tried to explain to you what I was doing. And everything I said came to fruition about Kwame Brown. It did. And I'm sad. I think I still am because I think a lot of what I said about him, I said it's still from a point of love because I kept saying, bro, here's what's going to happen if you keep doing it this way. I was able to say something to him that no one was able to say to me. And I kept telling him and it happened. And I'm not happy it happened, and I don't mess with him no more. I don't talk to him. I don't pile on. I don't say I'm glad. I don't do any of that stuff. Why? Because I know what it feels like to fail, to, 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 to feel like I had it and lost it. And I don't take joy or revel in anybody's downfall or demise. They tried to get me to make videos about Kevin Samuels when he died. I didn't touch it. Why? Because death is going to hit us all. How is that a joke? I never understood it. Matter of fact, I defended him. Then they said, why are you defending Kevin? Y'all got beef. I said, no, I don't have beef. I kept trying to point out something. There's no beef in that. I said, but there's a problem when you got a woman. Uh, what was her name? And she, she, I, I went on her TV show when she had it. Um, 50 cents ex-girlfriend. Um, what is her name? She was in uh, Independence Day. Vivica Fox. When Vivica Fox Vivica went on to that oh, Fox soul. And they said God took him out for what he said. You know, we could never say nothing like that about a woman, no matter what she did. And yet she was able to say this about a man she didn't know because he said an opinion he didn't like. And that's what's crazy. Almost everything that happened to me was because I said opinion that you didn't like. So you want to say something else and something else and something else. And the point is that people like me, they wouldn't care about that. Their pastors will get up in front of them and tell them, I used to be, I used to pimp. And they still go there and throw money at him. Yet you want to come and say, you know, he did so and such. (gasps) But he sounded good, but I don't want to hear anything else he says anymore. Well, that's crazy. That's who you should want to hear from. That's why they, that's why you go to the doctor for six people sick. You call the doctor because you're sick. If the doctor only hung out with people who were well, he'd be a horrible doctor. So I'm going to end it here, Tommy, or try to reach a conclusion here. And, and, and I hope that I express this accurately and, and in a way that people understand it. 
take, there were people when we started this show that, why you got Shamika Michelle on the show, Jason? You know, she's on the cover of her book, Naked, and she used to be a stripper, and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and I like Shamika Michelle, and I have her on the show because I authentically believe she's going to represent herself and me in this show in a way that for the most part reflects the values of this show. And she's moved on from things in her past that, and, and she's, I, I won't say a different person, but that's the only thing I can think of to say at the moment. But again, I don't have a problem, because I have a past. I, I, if I thought O.J. Simpson were a different person, was gonna represent the show in a way consistent, mostly with the values of this show, I'd have O.J. Simpson as a contributor to this show. And I know he committed double murder, or I believe he did. And uh, anybody that knows me, and, and he, Uncle Jimmy, who, who was my sidekick for a lot of years, this dude got uh, five kids and four baby mamas. And, and platformed him, elevated him, whatever, you know. Long, and so I, I don't hold people's past against them. And, and I wasn't, but, but when I look at the whole package of like, and, and, and I, really, I don't want to belabor it anymore, but I just looks like, man, this dude's beefing with Kwame, and he, you know, he's saying Kevin Samuel stole his whole thing from him, and you know, and he, he's got this OnlyFans deal, the whole thing, all of it, just like, man, Whitlock, that's too high risk. Just don't. What's happened, just as life has played out, you've come on the Twitter spaces twice. And both times, I'm like, dang, this dude is just cold, man. I, I, he, he says some amazing stuff. Confer he's a brilliant broadcaster. And now we're talking about the Manosphere, and he's an originator in the Manosphere. Let me bring Tommy on and hear Tommy out. Let me introduce him to the audience. Let me hear how the audience responds to Tommy. And let me try to figure out, you know, where's Tommy's head at now? What's he representing now? Does he have any discipline? Because it, trust me, if things go sideways, it won't be because of anything I did. Uh, and, and that's not me saying I'm a perfect person. It's just like, I, I just go out of my way not to mistreat people or deal with them in a transparent fashion. Is he gonna run off the rails and Whitlock is the worst person on the planet? I don't know. But, you know, we'll figure it out. But anyway, uh, Tommy, I appreciate you uh, coming on. And I'm going to give you the final say uh, on, on this whole thing. And then we'll play some tomorrow. And we'll see you guys tomorrow. So, Tommy, the floor is yours. Uh, wrap up. Uh, don't go too long. Uh, you can, uh, you can I go will, 10 will, minutes I'm... sometimes. It's all good. But, you know, try to stay in the two to three to four minute range. Well, that, that's fine. Um, you say the whole idea of how, you know, I give everybody a chance and everybody has a pass. The one thing you can't say is anywhere you've ever seen me, no matter if it was on, uh, Dave Rubin, no matter if it was on, um, Vivica Fox, no matter if it was on almost everywhere I've been, uh, um, but conversation's great. 
you don't hear me in there cussing or messing up and I espouse things that are really, really good. So you put me in a situation and you tell me what the rules are. I pretty much follow them. I had you on my show and I was nothing but respect. It wasn't even like how my normal show is because I don't go in and get to cussing and bring people on. That's why so many people have come on my show. It used to be called a place where celebrities go to let go. They would come to talk to me and I don't even know why. T.D. Jakes used to tell people to go listen to me. He literally thought I was really good. Um, so that say, being said, all of your dealings with me were good. Everything you found bad was about someone else. All of your dealings with me personally, every other thing that you've seen me on someone else's show was good. I handled myself very professionally, including here. Now I'll get off this show and probably go on mine and let a couple F bombs drop and whatever, because like my grandmother always told me was this. There was a person in the Bible, and they said when he went there, they said he doesn't normally eat that, but he ate that there just to show respect. Custom. When in Rome, when in Rome. I love what I do because I believe that this word that was given to me, most of the time when I'm talking, I don't even know where it's coming from, and I believe that there's a higher power that's giving it to me. I've gone through so much stuff to be able to just say what I believe is right. And if you bring me around anytime, anybody, my word travels. I will tell you what I think is right, even if it's wrong, even if it hits me. Matter of fact, most of the time when it hits me, because that's the best story to tell. So I appreciate you and anybody else who allow me to be able to speak for myself, because most of the things I've ever lost in my life has been because people were speaking for me. Thank you, Tommy. Uh, you guys watching, listening. Uh, hit the chats, hit the comments, tell me what you think. Hit me with an email, fearlessblazeshow at gmail.com. Uh, we'll play tomorrow. We'll see you tomorrow. Waiting for the countdown, coming off the breakdown, standing in line for freedom. Looking for a breakout, feeling like a standoff, nothing in life like freedom. Came Striking like a ladder, making all this moves for freedom. I want freedom. No negotiation, my system, no relation. We all just wanna have freedom. Sitting on the corner, never been alone. I'm breaking my back for freedom. Bless, we are living, get back. We are receiving all the seed when we all wanna be free. We want freedom.